Hi, I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic to entertain myself, talk with my friends who are far distant places, and to just discuss things about horses and Surefoot. Um, the Fridays are always a Surefoot uh, webinar, and I try to touch on different topics, um, just so that there's information about a lot of different aspects about Surefoot. And today I wanna to talk about using Surefoot under saddle. So I have people ask me a lot of questions about that. And um, because I'm a riding instructor, that's actually the way that I have used Surefoot the most. So when I started, the horse was under saddle. The very first horse I worked with, his name was Dante. Um, he was, I saw him on the Monday and he was lame in the right hind leg. And on the Tuesday I went back and she was already on him and in the arena. And so we just started right from there. And I went right to the hind foot, the foot that was the problem foot, and stuck a pound underneath his foot, timed it for 15 seconds, and he walked off completely different. Um, over the past eight years, I've had a lot of horses to work with and a lot of experiences. And so I'm a little bit wiser now about how I go about working with horses under saddle um, in general and just using Surefoot um, and just the different ways we can use it. So, you know, one of the first questions is, is why would you use Surefoot under saddle? And the, the sort of the way I've always explained it is I have a little saying. What is it like when you visit your mother? And what is it like when you visit your friends? So for many of us, uh, our mom always elicits kind of like an angst. Um, I certainly had that with my mom for many, many years. And so when I was in my family dynamic, I would behave very differently than when I was in my dynamic with my friends where I was much more gregarious and that sort of thing. So when we put the horses under tack, they're possibly going to behave in a different way than when they're just in their halter or just in their stall. So one of the first reasons for wanting to use Surefoot under saddle, and that doesn't mean under a rider necessarily, it does mean under tack, is that we have habits that are environmental. And so um, in the Feldenkrais world, when we're, when we're doing a Feldenkrais awareness for movement lesson, which is think group lesson, people are, have a mat and you're laying on the floor, you're fully dressed, and you're following the instructions, the verbal instructions of the teacher. The first thing they always do is they come around and they clear the environment. They make sure that your shoes aren't by your head and your books aren't nearby and you're not going to knock your neighbor's water bottle over. And typically we move all of that paraphernalia to the walls, to the edges, away from us and away from our mats. And that's because even when there's, we don't necessarily consciously recognize that there's something kind of imposing on us, our nervous system is picking that up. Now this is where Sharon Wilsey's work is really great because she talks about the horse's bubble all the time. And so when there's something sort of pressing in on your bubble, you start to change the way you behave. You unconsciously kind of shape yourself around that thing, whatever it is. Um, and I mean, it's really, you just watch your cats, right? When your cats walk around a room and there's something that's there, they kind of shape themselves around it and then they curve out and keep going. So we, our radar is always picking up the environment and the things around us, which is one of the reasons why when you're doing Surefoot at all, it's really important to work in an open environment. From the safety perspective, if the horse needs to move and there's a lot of stuff in the way, you know, he could be hitting himself or you could be put in a tight spot. 
but from a physical sense of our space, our physical space, um, it's important that there's enough room that we can, and the horse, can really not feel interfered with by something crowding us. And when you look at Sharon Wilsey's horse speak, you can really see how quickly a horse senses us entering their space. Some horses, just like some people, have a bigger bubble than other people. Um, my example, you know, if you go to a, a party, there's some people you can walk right up to and, hey, how you doing? And there's somebody else that's like, whoa, I need to give them a big, big space. So that's very true of all of us, whether we consciously acknowledge it or not. So when we take a horse out of a stall or out of a paddock where he doesn't have any tack on and we start to tack him up, we're in we're impeding on that space. And some horses are really unhappy about their tack, um, especially the girth. Surefoot can also be really helpful there. Um, but you can see them starting to tense or tighten or they start to change their stance. Or just like you, if you put on a piece of clothing that's a little bit tight, you start to contract and tense because you're feeling it and it's uncomfortable. And so, the other thing is that there's a lot of horses where the minute the tack goes on, it means that it's going to be work, it might be unpleasant, it might be abusive. It, you know, there's some things that have happened in the past that set them up for that pattern of behavior, that habit, right from the beginning. So, um, you know, when it's possible, and that's not always possible, but when it's possible, I do like to spend some time using Surefoot with a horse that's in a confined space, not a huge field, but in a relatively, you know, small paddock or a big round pen, not a small round pen, um, where the horse can move away from me and where the horse has a choice to say, eh, I'm not sure, or I want to walk off now. Um, and so when we put the tack on where it's think, you know, for us women, it's like putting on a bra, it's putting on your underwear, if they're a little bit pinchy, a little bit tight, if they bind a little bit, you know, you're constantly walking around and you're kind of niggling with that. But more importantly now, if something has happened and it's very common that there's horses that get in an arena and they're very unhappy being in a confined space like an arena because of a history or something that's happened there. And so the reason I really like to work under tack is that I want to address these habits that are only going to show up when we're in that environment. So, you know, you can have horses that are really social and really friendly and really engaged when they're in the field or when they're in their barn. But the minute you go into the arena, you may be dealing with a different animal because of the habits. And habits, by their definition, are unconscious patterns. Some habits are great, looking both ways before you cross the street can keep you safe, and some habits aren't so great, stiffening up and then falling on your shoulder and not being able to pick up your lead. So how do we address habits? Well, the first thing that has to happen is we have to become conscious of them. So even as you're tacking up, we have a lot of people using Surefoot during the process of tacking up to help the horses already start to relax and let down in that process. Um, and I have, I have, <laughs> I tried to make a file of photos for this webinar um, and I started realizing how many photos I have of horses under tack. So um, I'm just gonna screen share a few shots if I can. 
Um, this is one of my faves, actually. Uh, let me just get that out of the way. Um, this is Devil, and I have permission to use this photo, which um, it's one of my favorite pictures, but his name is Devil, and he's clearly under tack, and he's clearly enjoying Surefoot. Um, so I'm just going to pause share for a sec. Um, but there's a lot of horses where the, you know, um, getting tacked up can be anxiety producing. Um, and what kind of behaviors do we see? Uh, teeth grinding, ear pinning, stomping, attempting to bite, um, swishing tail, breath holdings. People call it bloating on oh, my horse bloats when I tack him up. Well, that could be that you're already seeing a habit of anxiety about what's going to happen um, from the tacking up process. And so if we ignore it, each of these little places of tension are going to then compound or they're going to be something that we have to work through in the beginning of our workout before we get to the level of relaxation we need for a good workout. So if you think about it, if your horse tenses up while you're putting the girth on and it takes you 20 minutes for that to, to let go from warming up, you've just spent 20 minutes actually reinforcing the pattern. So um, this is actually a mounting. Like I said, my, my pictures, when I started going through and looking for pictures, um, I realized that I have an awful lot and it was like, oh, that's a good one and that's a good one. So, oh, but we'll talk about um, just mounting actually because this one will be. Um, it's a little bit dark, but I can, um, so some horses right from the beginning, right from, you know, walking into the arena and going to have you mount creates tension. And that tension is going to show up in your ride. It can potentially show up in, uh, in ways that are very detrimental, tension, breathing tension, um, holding. Um, but that's going to affect that performance, that ride, that training every single day. And so if we can do something to break that habit, to change the horse's response, to make it something they're looking forward to instead of something that they're dreading, like what do you like when you visit your mother? And what do you like when you visit your friends? Then, then we've already got the horse in a better place. So this was a particular mare that Callie King was working with. Um, she was very anxious about the mounting block and would move away. And so many people that I see when their horse moves away from the mounting block, either yell at them or shank them a little bit or, you know, try to make them come over and pick them up. But if the horse isn't standing in balance, then they're going to be stiff. They're going to be tense. When you get on, they're going to feel unstable. And if you do like some people do is rock the withers to make them lock so that they're braced when you get on, now you have to undo that. So it's really important to think about what is the quality that you want in your horses from the moment you put the tack on and when you get on? And so mounting is the same as like if you're putting your saddle on, you find your horse is already tensing or holding his breath, then this is where you can start using Surefoot right from the beginning. Because what we want to do with the pads is change the horse's response. We want to give them an option that they can find comfort and they can let down and they can go into parasympathetic rather than already putting them into that sympathetic fight and flight, even if they're not running away, um, but the, the whole sympathetic system, because now you've created tension in the horse's body that is going to have to either play out by riding them long enough for them to fatigue, or it's not going to play out and your whole ride's going to be tense. 
So with this particular horse, we really broke it down. I'm not sure if I have the very first pictures. Nope. Uh, we just started with walking her up to the mounting block and seeing that she was getting tense. She'd been on pads before. And so we started with a soft pad. So let me back up a little bit. Um, as a riding instructor, I'm largely working with people under saddle. It is super important that you check that horse out before you ever start under saddle with surefoot. And what I mean by that is start with the horse without tack. Start with the horse in a paddock or an open environment or the arena with the pads, no tack. And just make sure that the horse is okay with the pads. You're going to find out really quickly if they're snorting and looking, then clearly we wouldn't do this with a rider on. Um, and then, you know, how is the horse here in the mounting block? And when I'm working with riders, as I approach that horse, I am so paying attention to any sign of anxiety. So if I have a rider on a horse and I'm walking up to that horse with a pad, I see anything. Um, breath holding, snorting, ear, eye flick, step back, any of those things, I stop, I take the rider off. Safety is the number one thing you have to think about. Um, you want to set your horse up for success. So even if you're not sure, start with the rider off the horse. And so that's just, just a given that if I, you know, if I have it's just easy. You walk the horse in, you haven't gotten on yet, check that the horse is okay with the pads, check that the horse is okay to stand on a pad comfortably, that there's no anxiety, they're not tense. And then you can start to go to your mounting block. Okay, with this horse, we saw tension. So we started with one foot and one pad. And we didn't even have Callie on the mounting block. We just had her standing on the ground next to the mounting block after she'd been on the pad. And then I came over and I would put a foot on a pad and Callie would stand on the mounting block. So we broke it down into little tiny pieces. And if you're not sure if you've broken it down enough into small enough steps, then break it down into more steps. Again, the way I think about this is when I'm teaching, whether that's a horse about surefoot or a rider, I want to make sure they understand the letters of the alphabet. So I want to understand that you know what a W-A-L-K is before I ask you to walk and T-R-O-T before I ask you to trot. And if it's something more complicated like canter, which is two syllables, look, I've got more letters. I have to make sure that you know to be successful. So if we take that approach with any horse in anything we want to teach them, do not assume that they know what you're asking. And I think this is one of the number one questions that I hear from people or statements that I hear from people that I just think is so wrong. Well, he should know better. I've already shown him that. I've already taught him that. He's already done that, right? And we have these, these preconceived notions because we're not perceiving the environment that the horse is perceiving. We're perceiving it from our perspective and we fill in an awful lot and the horses don't. In other words, they're looking at each environment as fresh and new, and we're looking, oh, it's another arena, it's another mounting block. So when in doubt, always break it down into smaller steps and add rest, which means either walking away from the environment where there's a little anxiety or where you're asking something, or stop. And you can never go wrong by adding a rest or a stop in the process. So it might take you 30 seconds longer to put in that rest or that stop. But for the horse, 
that's 30 seconds of, oh, wow, I'm not being asked anything anymore. I have a moment to process and to make connections and figure out what's going on. And in that time, you know, allowing them to look around. Um, so many people want to keep their horse's head really focused. So I, I let them look around. If they need to walk, I go for a walk. I mean, I can use the steps, right? Um, because to me, when they're going for a walk, they've lost balance. They're not able to stand. And standing is one of the hardest things for horses to do, especially under the weight of a rider. So in this case, um, I know it's a little bit dark, but we broke it down. You can see we offered her two pads. You can see that her eye is softer and Callie's just hanging out with her, right? We're just letting her stand near the mounting block in rest so that she can go, okay. And then we walked her off and we brought her back. And now you can see we have her on two pads and Callie simply put her foot in the stirrup. So she hasn't put any pressure on the stirrup. She's not stepping into the stirrup. And she took her foot out and did this several times. So the horse got a moment to go, wow, you've put your foot in the stirrup, but you're not just going to leap on my back, right? And so why do we do that? We want the horse to feel grounded and relaxed and comfortable. Because what if today, you know, you, you made a mistake and your foot slipped out? Or what if today, you know, you were about to get on and, you know, something happened and somebody called you and you had to step off. And you want your horse to be able to be breathing normally with no signs of stress. Look at the nice soft ears here when you put your foot in the stirrup. And whether this is a young horse that you're starting or an older horse that has become anxious about mounting due to poor fitting saddles or pain, it's the same process. It's just a little longer with the horses that have had, you know, pain because there's a real reason. So you can see that she's, we get, she's swishing her tail. There's a bit of flies. She shifted her weight. Callie's just hanging out, right? You can see the horse swaying a little bit when she picks up that left, right front. And, you know, that's going to lead us to the idea of what happens when the horse walks off. If she sways that much, just standing here and you can see how she's leaning into Callie, then she's already putting herself out of balance at the moment the rider's getting on. And what is a horse going to do? They're going to walk off. So we've just wanted to make sure that she can feel really grounded and secure. And then Callie's just putting a little weight on her back, right? And stepping down. And what's really nice is that she wasn't concerned at all. She looked away. I'll just play that again. Right? There's flies. You can see that there's flies, but she's just going to stand. And Callie's got a lot of weight on her thigh and not just on the stirrup. Okay. But now you see what we have. We have a horse that's suddenly going, wow, the mounting block is where I feel great. The mounting block is where I feel relaxed. The mounting block is where I can let down. And you can see that she's standing very nicely. Right? And I have a little video here. So, yeah, it's really cool. So now we've got yawning, we've got relaxation, licking and chewing, and, you know, a little head shake, but we're not seeing anxiety, tiny little bit there, right? A tiny little bit of worry, and you saw her head come up, and you saw the ears go back, right? So is she 100%? No. Um, and we'll do that again, right? We've got the yawning, we've got relaxation. Right, and just as Callie starts to get on, right, you can already see there's a little bit of concern, but she shakes, licks and chews, and then we get a little bit of the head bob, 
And again, see how Callie's got her weight balanced over on the other side with that arm on the saddle. And so for this horse, for this day, that would be plenty. Maybe just go back to just putting her back on the pads by the mounting block, breaking it down. Oh, look, we have another video. I haven't watched all of these, so this could be the same one, actually. Yeah, this is a different one, right? So we just came back and we're waiting for her to really relax again. Right? We got a little bit of licking and chewing there. The eyes, ears softened. And then we're just hanging out. But you can see her processing. Look at the eye blinks, the ears, that's flies. We can see that she's standing much more square. And so now, this is the time where she needs to rest because she needs to have that moment to process that information. But this is where Surefoot can be so useful because so many horses, the minute you put the tack on, you take them in the arena, you go up to the mounting block and they're like, oh no, it's gonna be bad. And we want them to feel relaxed in everything so that from the moment you're on, they're already relaxed, they're ready to work. Okay, so bottom line, when in doubt, make sure you start with Surefoot without a rider on. Um, and maybe even without tack on. But then when we do work with um, a rider, hang on, I'm gonna find some, some I'm gonna cancel that for a second. Um, it's so important for the rider in the beginning to just be what I think of as passive. And this is where, you know, this is, people go, well, how do I do this on my own? And it's not easy, I'm gonna say. To do this on your own, you would put the horse on pads and then mount and let the horse stand on the pads. Now, I will tell you that for those people that are really diligent, this can be one of the most amazing things for changing behaviors. I had a, a client and her horse had come from New Zealand. It was an event horse and it chomped on its bit so loudly that in an outdoor arena, I never had to look to see where they were because I could hear him chomping on his bit. It was such a strong habit. And we spent some time looking at that in terms of if I steadied the bit, would he finally relax his tongue? And yeah, and it took mm, 20 minutes, I think, or more. So I sent the rider home with an assignment that every time the horse started to chomp on the bit, she needed to get off and put him on some pads. It was two or three months later that she came back. And believe me, that is not an easy thing to do. You want to get on and ride your horse. You want to go do something. But that anxiety, that chomping was disrupting everything about that horse's balance. And if you just go back and watch Jillian Kreinbring's uh, webinar and uh, Tammy's and Martina's, you know how important this whole mouth and tongue is in terms of relaxation in the whole body. So she would get off her horse and put it on a pad every time he started to chomp the bit. And she came back three months later and I could not hear her in the arena. His mouth was totally silent. Now again, that takes a lot of diligence to be willing to stop your ride and get off and address it every single time you hear it. And at first she spent way more time not riding than riding. But the end result was that now we had a horse that only when he was a little bit stressed did he start to chomp and that was great because then we're like, okay, he's a little bit stressed by what we're asking. But basically it totally 
change that pattern. And you think about how many people deal with that pattern over and over and over again. And so many people try to solve it with nosebands or getting rid of the bit, which isn't necessarily solving it. Um, because if the horse is sucking his tongue back in his mouth, it's still creating tension all the way down through into the sternum, into the shoulder. We know the whole parasympathetic. We know that we're going to have a great talk with um, Catherine Weinberg, uh, Catherine Wyckoff about the relationship between vagal nerve and trigeminal nerve as it comes past the, um, the, the larynx and how that's related to roars. So stay tuned for that webinar. I'm really excited about that. But there's so many other things that are going on when you have that behavior that to just try to ignore it or you know act like it's not happening is not addressing the actual problem. So, um, but that takes a ton of diligence, just like things with mounting, you know, getting off and working with the pads and then getting back on again. Um, it's, it's not easy. What's a better idea is that you find a friend and you guys do this for each other. So if you're riding that day, your friend comes and works with the surefoot pads on the, from the ground. And then when she's riding, you work with the surefoot pads from the ground. And that way you both get the benefit of it and you have somebody that you can talk to about how it's going and what's happening. So, uh, I have I have that picture somewhere. Hang on. Like I said, I wound up with so many photos that I was like, oh, they're, they're all good. Not, they're not the best quality photos, but they're all tell a story. Um, do, 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 do. Oh, great. I don't know when you want. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, when we filmed the, the DVD, the DVD for the quick start guide this this horse was super anxious and she came in and her friends were at the trailer so um, the rider brought several horses to use in the videoing and so this horse was super anxious and we could see that by her behavior so the first thing I did was I had the rider get off and I took the horse myself and the reason for that is that sometimes it's hard to work with another person holding the horse while you're trying to work with the pads so I, I personally often take the horse just because then there's one less person I have to worry about. And I just started with a firm pad and just um, working with this horse and having her stand on the pad and getting the response that we're looking for, right? And so, oops, another horse. Um, so then when the rider is on, I go back to a very simple idea. I go back to one pad, whether that's hard or firm, or maybe even the physio pad, the lowest profile, and I start with a front foot. And I do the same process that I do on the ground, which is I'll let the horse look at the pad, I'll make sure that everything's okay if I, if I drop it to the ground, there's no startle. But the difference now is that the horse has to deal with the weight of the rider when I pick up a foot. And this can be completely different than what you just experienced without the rider on. In other words, there's a lot of horses that the minute they have the weight of the rider on their back, they can't pick up their foot, that it's stuck to the ground. Oh, here, I have more pictures of I knew I did. Um, that the foot's stuck to the ground. And um, so here she is looking away a little bit. Oops. Okay, so here we are. Nice butt shot, right? That's the biggest problem with sure foot photos is a lot of butt shots. Um, 
but the rider's on and you can already see that we have this relaxation in the horse's face. So by working with her prior to putting the rider back on, I knew I was okay. And obviously I started with one foot and here I am about to do the other foot. Now, one of the things that you have to be really careful of as the ground person is that the rider could kick you in the head with their foot. You're really close to the stirrup. And so sometimes they'll pull their leg back, and especially depending on the length of the rider's leg and the length of the horse's leg and your height. Um, you do have to be really careful that they don't kick you. You might want to wear a helmet. Um, but I just, I do the same approach. I stroke down the leg. I, I pick up the leg and you can see that she's looking away. And here I just put my hand on the rein to ask the rider to let go of the reins. So, so often the riders want to hold the reins like, they, like they're about to walk off and the horses won't put their necks down because the rider has tension in their arms. So I just, you can see it's a very open hand. I'm just kind of just taking my hand and I'm drawing the reins out of the rider's hand to give a little more rein to the horse, okay? So that's just something to be aware of is that the rider is, are they holding the reins tight? And I really like to put them, and I think you can see that in this picture, I ask them to put the reins in front of the shoulder blade. And that's not quite, there's the edge of the shoulder blade, it's not quite. A lot of riders wanna keep the rein back, held back. And I actually think that that restricts the horses. I've seen it now, I was told about this by Richard Weiss a million years ago. Richard was Sally Swiss' first apprentice and Alexander teacher down in Australia. And I was visiting him one time and he, he mentioned it. And this is actually quite a while ago now. Um, and I've just experimented with over the years, and I definitely see a difference when the rider is here. You can see that she's got the reins, you know, more in front of the shoulder as opposed to held back on a line back to the saddle. And I do find that it makes a difference that whether it's the rein crossing the shoulder blade, whether it's that they feel a backward direction, I'm not sure. But when they just put the rein forward of the shoulders, I see a big change. Um, that's just that same horse. She just rested her toe. Here I was just offering, right? There's that same picture. There's us filming. <laughs> um, this is another horse we worked with. I was about to work with pods. So let me just pause that share. So um, it's just really important that you, let's see, this is just, oh, well, it's, um, you can see that I'm just here. I've dropped the pad and it's caught just before it hits the ground. But you can see there's no, um, anxiety in the horse at that moment and she's not distracted or looking away. So really making sure that your horse is um, quiet and relaxed and working without the rider before you work with the rider on board. Let's see what this one is. Oh, that's just that same horse with two pads. So if anybody has any questions about working under saddle, please just pop them in the chat or in the Q&A. Um, and I have lots more pictures. So let's see, where's my screen share? Um, one of the things that you really want the rider to do is to sit as quietly as possible when you're using the pads under saddle. Um, and it's always interesting to, to watch what's happening with the level of their feet because as horses are on pads, they start to sway and shift. And you can now see that this foot's slightly lower, right? And this one's slightly higher. And it's not necessarily, and now they're a little bit more level. 
And here you can see that this rider's feet are quite unlevel, right? And we're on medium pads in front and firm slants behind. Um, and the reason you'll see more pictures from me of horses on multiple pads is that when I'm working with one pad, typically um, they're, they've gone for a walk, they haven't stayed long, they've come back, and I don't have my camera out to get those pictures, but when they start to be on more than one pad, they've, they're standing longer and it's easier to get photographs. So um, it's one of these days I'll figure out another solution, actually. I, I may have one, but you know, you can, you'll see the horses shifting and you'll see how that affects the riders, right? And we can see here in this chest that this leg, and it might be the angle of the photo, but I don't think so. You can see that there's more weight on this left front and you'll look at how that's shifted the rider's feet, which gives us an indication of what's happening with the rib cage. Um, she's just talking to me there. Just pause share. So horses will sway, they'll rock, they'll shift. And the rider's job is to sit as quietly as possible at, and be non-interfering. Um, and that is not an easy job for anybody who has ever had me come along and put pads underneath their horse's feet. Um, this is just a little video. I'll just see what happens here. Um, the horses start to really shift. And so it's, it's not always easy to sit there quietly. They'll rotate their rib cage and you'll feel like you're falling off. What we can see with this horse, this is down in Florida. It was super hot and humid, right? But what we notice is that he's keeping his head organized over his left front. So he's looking to the left, but when he comes back, you can see how much he has his head organized over the left front. And so these are things to notice, like he's, it's actually his shoulder is past that foot and you can see, I can't make that bigger. You can see that his balance is falling to the left through that shoulder. So you may see very different things under saddle than what you saw um, without tack. Um, and it's always cool to get a little video. That horses, that was really hot that day. Um, and just checking it out in front and behind. Um, and again, it's the same process of one pad, let the horse go for a walk, come back, new another foot let the horse go for a walk. In other words, it's never like you're just gonna put four pads underneath all at once. Um, this horse here, I think I've shown her in previous uh, videos. She's, she's still anxious. She's looking for her friends up on the hill. And yes, yeah, she's standing on the pads, but you can see by the alertness in her face and the, the focus of what's going on and the nostrils that to put this horse with a rider on pads would be a bit more difficult because she's already showing us signs of anxiety. It'd be a lot more difficult. Um, and so, you know, these are all the things that you're looking for to find out if you have the green light to go forward, right? And she's swaying a little bit, but her distraction is the thing that would tell me that if I did put a rider on her, which I wasn't even sure I wanted to put a rider on her at that point, um, I wouldn't want to be putting pads underneath her because she's not going to be paying attention to me. Whereas somebody like this, and again, it's multiple pads um, because at that point we've worked with the horse for a while and, and we can, right? But you see how careful and watch right at the end. The interesting thing is, I'll scrub it, is 
you see how she moves her head, right? And we see the nice softening ears. And look at right there how the rib cage moves to the left. I'll do that again. I'll just take it back. And you can see how the whole rib cage moves to the left in order for her to move her right front foot. Right? And then as she moves that right front foot, watch how the whole saddle rotates way to the right. Okay? So, you know, these are some of the things that you might notice. I'll just do that one more time. I'll just take it. You can see the rib cage is going to bulge to the left. She moves her foot. And then as she puts that foot down, look at how the entire saddle shifts down right. Okay, so we got some questions. Let's see what we got here. Uh, oh, it's frozen. Oh, no. Okay, so I'll, I'll resume share. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, can you see it now? Like the Verizon commercial. Um, Okay, so I'll play it once through. Okay, great. I'll play it once through because it's a really interesting little video. Okay, and now I'll play it slowly. And you can see here, here's her rib cage bulging on the left. And she's doing that, she's moving her rib cage over in order to move that foot. But when we have that kind of rib cage rotation, what she's not going to be doing is lifting up underneath the rider into weight bearing posture. And the key here is that as she steps forward, watch the saddle, boom. Everything rotates down on the right in order for her to move forward on the left hind. And now just play it in real time so you can see that again. So again, Surefoot's like a magnifying glass and we get to really see things that we might not otherwise see with horses um, because the pads bring, you know, make these things more noticeable. Um, here's a horse. Now this horse has been on pads multiple times. So oops, is that the video? Where's the video? Here it goes. So yes, you can stack horses when with a rider on, but again, this horse has been on pads many times over the course of at least a year. Um, and we've got, um, uh, stacked soft and firm slants and I'll just play this one and watch what happens to the rider. So there she's, she steps down, which is totally fine, but you can see how much movement the riders feel. And so I always ask riders, um, do you get seasick? Uh, because some horses move so much that they'll sway and they'll rock. And we can see there, she's got like a little head movement, little shift in the ribs, shifts the rib cage over, goes to step her foot, right? That, um, it, it can be significant. And so just like always, you know, if the more movement you want to shorten the duration in the beginning to make sure that everything's cool with that, um, because you don't want to make the horse sore and, uh, this should be, oh wait, it's downloading the video. I've got to wait for it to finish downloading. Didn't know it had to do that. So, so, okay. To just kind of recap for a moment, always check out that the horse is okay with pads before tack then see what happens when you've put the tack on. If you have any change in behavior, that's going to give you a clue that there's some issues around habits around the tack. You can use it to help horses that are anxious about the mounting block to great effect. Um, 
and and then also under saddle. So there's a question here that Chris Cox always talks about having the rib cage of a horse. Now I'm starting to get it. So important to me as a rider getting subtle control if my own of my own to make it easier for the horse. So the rib cage is really, really critical. And one of the things that's so important is to understand what do we want to happen with the rib cage under weight. And so this is a big question. When the horse engages the thoracic sling, they're able to, the withers will come up. The rib cage will rise in relation to the front legs. If horses are rolling their rib cage like that one we saw where the horse really dropped the rib cage over as the horse walked off the pads, that is not good because as the rider's weight drops down on the right, you have all this saddle pressure on the left-hand side of the spine. So if you have a rib cage that's rocking left and right, which many people think is a good thing, but you're alternating pressures on the horse's back left and right, and they're not going to bring their back up. And so we always need to talk about weight-bearing posture, which is where the horse is going to be able to engage the thoracic sling so the withers come up, and that's going to let the top line lengthen so that the hindquarters can come under. Um, if we have this sideways rotation, we're going to have problems because it's going to be loading one front leg more than the other or alternately loading the front legs. Um, let me just pause share for a second. I'm going to find this. I just saw this other horse it was a barrel racing horse and um, he could not turn right. Um, oops. And so, you know, when we stack, we could stack him. And the thing to notice is here are three pads. That's six inches of pads and his sternal line is straight. So we could, um, uh, it, you know, which is really fascinating. So I watch this sternal line to see is the horse's rib cage vertical in the middle. And it's something to really pay attention to. Oh, another video. Um, I'm sure I can find another. Oh, wait, here's his other pictures. So here, I'll resume share. Okay, hopefully you're seeing the same horse stacked. And now we can see how the sternum is starting to angle right? Look at the difference in the knees, but the sternum is angled just a little, and we can see that it's angled by the rider's feet, meaning that the rib cage has rotated withers to the left, which is this side of the screen, uh, withers to the left, and it's dropping down. Oops, well, let's see if this, I think I have a little video of this horse. So I'm always watching, yep, that sternal line to get an idea of what's happening with the rib cage. So here, even though he's got a breast collar on, we can see that that's pretty straight. And then you see how those pecs just sucked up. And now look at the angle of the saddle. And I'm going to pause it right there because now we can see how the saddle and the sternum line up and the rib cage has rotated down left coming up on right. And so if a horse is trying to make a turn to the right and he does this, he's going to load this left front really heavily and he's probably going to bulge through that shoulder. So the, where the rib cage is positioned is super important. We really want it in the middle with a bend, which is side bend equivalent of ribs getting closer together on one side and further apart on the other. And there's no pure movement. In other words, you never have pure side bend, pure extension, pure flexion, or pure rotation. But we're, we're talking about relative here. And so here you can see, this is the other front leg on this horse. And you can see how much the chest pecs are angled. The sternum is a little bit rotated, but this elbow has come totally away from his body.
So it's almost like he's gripping with the muscles at the top of the shoulder blade and the elbow is probably, it's almost a hand's width away from his body. Um, that's it, equine affair, no, equitana. So let me just pause share again. Okay, there's another question in the chat. Okay, have fun at your dentist appointment. <laughs> uh, let's see, pause share and let me find. So, so, oh, well, actually, this is a good picture for, for that. Um, you can see where the rider's sitting very quietly, there's reins are long, but you can also notice the horse is really relaxed about the whole idea. So asking that horse to pick up a foot under the weight of the rider, he's got to distribute his body weight plus the weight of the rider onto the other three legs. If you already have one foot on a pad and you ask for another foot, now he has to distribute the weight of the rider and the saddle and his body onto the two supporting legs and figure out how to put some weight on the unstable surface while giving you the leg. So this starts to get, um, <laughs> um, hi Linda, starts to get a, a bit complicated when you think about that from a perspective of balance. And I don't fuss with where their feet are positioned. Their feet are positioned where, they're, where they are, right? So you can see here that this back foot's a little back, can't, uh, here's his, this front foot's a little forward, right? Maybe it would be better if I came around and picked up the left front because it looks like he's standing stronger on his right front. But the bottom line is I don't mess around with it because every position the horse is in is another uh, po postural position that they need to um, figure out, that they need to understand this is a little bit fuzzy but this is the same horse and now we've got a slant behind and you can see how much the neck has come down, but they have to figure that balance out. So we're just offering them these, these possibilities, these opportunities to feel what it's like. And now we've gone to four pads, nope, three pads, sorry. And you can see what's really fascinating is how square this horse is compared to the previous pictures where he's less square. So the process itself does so much to sort that things out because you're bringing awareness to the horse so that he can make those changes himself rather than, you know, being the ones that are, oh, I got it, yep. Uh, trying to make those changes. Okay, so there we go. Got this video downloaded. So this was um, also at uh, Equitana in Germany and a Western rider with a horse that was kind of stuck. And what I want you to notice here is like how much the horse is moving its head around versus how much sway there is, right? And you can see right now the head's a little bit over the right front. I'll just play that again. But he's feeling, and that was the thing about this, um, he's feeling all these subtle, tiny little nuances that the horse is changing, the little sways. Not that it doesn't have to be big. You can feel all these little tiny changes as the horse shifts its balance or changes its position a little bit or moves its head while they're standing on these unstable surfaces. And it gives you an entirely different perspective about your horse. I mean, so often, you know, people will go, well, my horse always struggles to, you know, bend to the left. Well, when you feel him standing on the pads and you get a sense of what the pattern is or that you can feel it change, it changes you. So, so much about having horses on surefoot pads with riders on is for the rider to make 
an, to have an awareness, to have an understanding of that this horse could be different. This horse could move in a different way. And so here we are, we've come off the pads and he's taken the horse for a jog because we want to have that integration from standing into movement. And it's um, a lot of times it's way easier to do that integration under saddle because on a lead a lot of times the horses will just get so relaxed they'll just want to stand they won't want to move um, so when you're under saddle i always tell people you know let them walk off for a little while give them a moment to integrate that piece of information they've just gathered from the pads and then ask them to go for a trot or come back and stand on the pads again so depends if it's just the beginning i'll have them go for a walk and then come back and stand on the pads and do that several times maybe change direction then I'll add trot a little later on and even canter. Um, but you have to realize that the horses are like experimenting with their bodies when they're in motion. And it's so obvious to sense this, like you can literally feel them like thinking about their foot and how it's landing on the ground. And so it's important for us to give them that moment to assimilate what they've just experienced standing on pads with what it's like to take that new awareness into movement. Some riders are too quick to want to pick up the contact and already start to manage the horse and put him on the aids and tell him what to do. But the whole idea here is that we're, we're looking for the horse to have a new understanding of his own body so that he makes those changes for us. And I just recently worked with a really top rider, Patrick. Um, uh, he, um, was on a webinar about a month ago, I think. Um, and I went to work with him with his horse and he could feel the horse really taking the time to think about each thing that I said. And if we don't give them that time, they can't integrate, right? So here, this horse, you can see, he's a, a thoroughbred, There's, I'll slow it down so you can see all the subtle little things that the rider's gonna feel. There's our breathing change, eye blink, his head's over to the right, then he turns it to the left, and look at how he kind of goes through this right shoulder, right, turns his head, right? Look at the sternum. We can see here that the rib cage is slightly rotated to the withers to the right, right? And it's got more weight on this right front leg as a result, right? And then there's this little tiny sway right here, right? And then he brings his head back, Breathing change, lowers the neck, again shifts over into the right shoulder. And even more so. Right. And then you can see how he starts to look to the right. It starts to move his neck, but you see how different that movement is. His neck is quite stiff. And then he comes back again. So I'm gonna check, it looks like I've got a question here. Uh, did, you, uh, did you read the blog about Hudson who could not integrate after being on the pads being ridden? On, uh, not yet having retrained his core muscles, he was lost. So combining with riding was a bridge. Um, I so, I'm sorry, Linda, I didn't read that, but yeah, there's, it's like, sometimes the horses need a little more support when you're riding them and sometimes they need less support. And, but by having them in, an activity that where the rider can support them, it really does make a difference. Um, and what do I mean by support? You know, the, the toughest job for the rider when you're working with Surefoot Under Saddle is to know when to support and when to leave the horse alone. In other words, um, 
whether you let them have a long reign, like here, she's just letting him have a long reign and think about what we just did, but she's got a little bit of contact. And so it's, but it's a tough one because some riders want to manage right away and do too much and take over the work for the horse, take over the balance for the horse. And then other riders want to do not enough and not give the horse support at the right time. And it's not something that you can tell somebody, you know, this is how much you should do. Um, it's really something you have to feel in the moment. Yeah, it's giving him support. So that's what Selena, yeah, she gave him some support. You know, it's kind of like you, if you, I think a good way to think about it is, say you're at a river crossing and there's a whole bunch of rocks that you have to run across to get to the other side. And there's somebody that comes along and just kind of holds out their hand and just says, you know, let me guide you over this. And if you fall a little bit, I'll be there. And some horses really, really need that because they're so uncertain about what they've just experienced. Um, and then other horses are like, I've got, you know, I want to just process on my own. Just leave me alone. I can figure this out. And you've just got to give them that time. So, you know, there's such individuals in their responses and it's, it's being willing to do what each horse needs as opposed to thinking that you're going to put each horse into the same formula. There's, there's the guidelines for Surefoot, but there isn't that written in stone formula of you do A, B, C, D, E, like Arthur Murray's School of Dance from the foot patterns on the floor. And while, you know, I know that people would really like to have that kind of uh, way to go about it, it just doesn't fit with being present with your horse and really looking at your horse as an individual and, um, and figuring out what each horse needs in the moment. Just pause for a second so I don't make you guys sick going through my photos. Um, so again, the, the things to remember are always check out that the horse is okay with the pads before you put on the tack when possible. Always check that the horse is okay with the pads with the tack on. Check that the horse is okay about being mounted. It's a great opportunity to, to offer your horse a new idea and start out your ride right from the beginning with relaxation. And then when working under saddle, starting with one foot, one pad, I typically go back to the front foot. Now this horse, um, yes, the horse is on four pads. We did not start with four pads, but what I want you to notice is that this woman has a, a vest on and she came into the arena with this horse. She trailered in for this clinic and she was super, super nervous about how her horse was going to react. And so we started with Surefoot and by this point, as I said, you know, I've now got four pads, firm in front, firm slants behind, and he was very calm and relaxed. I think she actually had a private lesson before the clinic started, and that's where I started with Surefoot. Um, and he got better and better and better, and she was able to relax and actually enjoy herself, and they made huge progress because what we did was we offered the horse comfort and, and gave her a sense of stability because her horse was going to react in a, not react, but he was going to act in a positive way. And you can see there's little tiny changes. He's making little tiny sways, nothing huge. Um, notice how he's got the head angled and that it's placed over the right front in general, right? He's looking to the right, but then you can see here, here, watch how his rib cage 
sways side to side. It's very lateral in its movement. There it's to the right and then to the left. So you'll see different sway patterns. You'll see more of a snaky kind of pattern. In this case, it's a much more lateral left-right pattern. Right, a little breathing change there, but you see how he kind of keeps his head organized over his right front. And that's gonna show up in the riding, right? When a horse keeps his horse head organized over one foot more than the other. Um, and so these are all things you can start picking up using surefoot under saddle. Um, I just have a few more minutes here. So if anybody has any questions, please just, you know, pop them in the chat or in the Q&A. Um, the most important thing is to keep yourself safe. Uh, you can do pods under saddle. Um, this horse here, he's been on pads many times um, and now we were using pods under his back feet. But again, it's, oh, and he's actually on four pads, pods there and you can see the relaxation. Um, but you always start in the same manner, one pad and one foot, let them go for a walk. Kind of, and I tech to ask the riders to just report anything that they notice. In other words, I want to set them up to pay attention to change. So if they're busy yakking at me and telling me what you know they did yesterday at the horse show and blah blah blah, they're not paying attention to their horse. So I just say to them, I say, you know, let me know if you feel anything that changes. Just give me that feedback. And at first they'll go, oh no, I'm not noticing anything. And then they'll start to go, oh wait a second you know, like, well, his walk is a longer stride. Well, he's more relaxed. Oh, he's, I'm not having to manage him so much. He's bending around my inside leg. He's uh, taking his lead. Um, and remember, you know, you can always keep the sessions short. You don't have to spend the whole time doing surefoot. Um, you can just do this for a few minutes and then go on about your business and do other things and integrate it as opposed to just doing an entire session. So I hope this answers some of your questions about, um, stop share, uh, let's see, about working under saddle. Yes, it does basically take a second person to make it easy on you so that you can stay on board and that person can work. Just always remember to stay safe and use your foot to position the pad. And that's really important because if you're bending over too far and the horse startles and you're there and the rider kicks you in the head, that's not so great, right? So, you know, just when you pick up the leg, use one hand, put one hand on your back so that you're not tempted to have a hand down by the foot. Just tap the pad into place with your foot. If the horse doesn't step on it, it's no big deal. You can do a do-over. Um, and just, you know, it's just really important. Um, how long do I generally have a session for first time? You know, it so depends on the horse. I've worked with some horses and I've done five minutes and that was all. And then we went on and did something else. And other horses, it's like, I have to tell the rider, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna give you any attention today because your horse wants all of my attention. And I might be there for an hour, but not an hour on the pads, like stand on the pads, go for a walk, stand on the pads, go for a trot. So that process of, uh, a short time on the pads, gather a piece of information, and then how does that play out in my movement? And just dialing it back and forth so that the horse has time to put it together. And, you know, the horses are so different. I, the horse I worked with that Patrick has is, it's, um, it's at least pre-St. George, very, very bright horse, very quick. And so, you know, he was really taking in the information and really gobbling it up. And then all of a sudden you could just see it was like, tick, I've had enough. Um, and so we ended. Um, and other horses hit that sort of tilt, that 
filled up to the top point um, much quicker. It's so individual, but you know, it's a lot like us. Some of us are just going to focus, like we've had some two and, two and a half hour webinars and people have stayed there the entire time, which is really amazing. And then other people, they come in for five minutes and they're like, okay, that's enough for me right now. And they go away and they can come back and get the information again later. So you really do have to think about horses learning in a similar way to us. Um, you know, are you a, someone who can really pay attention for a long time? Is your horse that way? Or maybe he just needs lots of processing time. He might need a lot longer time between the pads, either days or between times he stands on it, um, because he just needs to think on a deeper level. And that's where Madeline Ward's uh, webinar on uh, five element theory and uh, horse, horse temperament is so interesting because the more you understand about your horse's temperament, it helps you understand what kind of learner they're going to be as well. So thank you everybody for joining me. Just remember to subscribe to the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel so that you get a notice every time we put up another video. Thanks, Anna. And um, next week we have some really exciting guests, Jillian Crimebrinks coming back and we have Linda Tellington Jones on Wednesday on September 2nd. So stay tuned. We're gonna be doing a new way of registering for the webinars because I need to make sure that I'm actually not spamming people, if you will. Um, so it's going to be a little bit different process for registering, but it's still free. So hang in there. And um, let me just check this last question that's down here. I have really older pads. What's the advantage? To, uh, well, the new ones are just there. Um, if you have a medium older pad, it's fine. It's the same medium as, as the medium we have now. Um, but the advantage of having something firmer would be that you have more choices and if you have hard, you can stack. So you can use that as your base pad. Um, you know, I always, you might want a pair of slants to change up, either hard slants or firm slants so that you can offer a change in angle. Um, it's just a question of, you know, the more colors and uh, more crayons in the box, the more colors you can draw with. So thanks again for joining me and I'll see you next week. We'll be putting out the email uh, over the weekend. So be sure to subscribe to the email list at Murdoch Method and um, we'll get that out to you as soon as it's ready and we've got great webinars next week. So thanks for tuning in and have a wonderful weekend. Bye.